you're listening to the voice of dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. And today's story is the second and final part of Weasels of the Apocalypse by Ben Goodridge, who wrote Aquila for Goal Publications and found one apocalypse for Fur Planet. Last time, scavengers Paul and Rumor took a young thief Tarrant under their protection during a violent storm in an abandoned city. Now Tarrant's pursuers have caught up with them, and Rumor's polite words haven't stopped them from drawing their weapons, with all three in the line of fire. Please enjoy Weasels of the Apocalypse by Ben Goodridge, Part 2 of 2. Rumor's eyes moved from coyote to coyote, assessing their commitment to the hunt. He found them variable in nature and temper, but there was no denying Hawkfeather's determination. Paul's easy posture concealed his ability to spring, and Tarrant looked ready to make a run for it. He stretched and leaned back, tucking his paws behind his head. Take it easy, guys. Stress is a killer. He glanced up and down at Hawkfeather. Like your paints, by the way. You do those yourself? We're marked as defenders. Hawkfeather sounded slightly flattered. Hmm. Blue for defense, red for medical, green for supplies, right? And they don't wash off in the rain. Oh, beautiful. We've hosted your trading caravans back at the warehouse in Ossipee. Very intense. Nice dancers. Love the song. What was that one? Oh, by the lake in the sky, we gathered something, something warm in the night. By the lake in the sky, we gathered together to raise high our voices and warm up the night, said Paul. That's it. Rumor glanced at Tarrant, briefly absorbing his bewilderment at the tangent. Sorry to hear that you've been having difficulties. There's plenty of room for peace in Kankamagas Pass. Here's hoping you find some. He raised his flask. Two of the coyotes were eyeballing Tarrant, who seemed to be shrinking in his skin. Hawkfeather looked from weasel to weasel and said, Withdraw your protection. No, said Rumor. Hawkfeather raised his weapon slowly. It wasn't a particularly powerful gun, but at this range it was guaranteed to do some damage. I have a duty to my tribe. Withdraw your protection. I have a higher duty than yours, said Rumor, taking a sip from his flask with a gun to his head. No. Paul squirmed where he sat. If it came to a fight, he was ready, drawn gun or not, and he was no friend to anyone who aimed a weapon at his husband. But it was Tarrant who bolted, dashing out into the rain while all eyes were on rumour, and Paul's plans changed in an instant. His long legs catapulted him from where he sat, and he bolted from the shelter after Tarrant, leaving the coyotes bewildered behind them. Rumour sighed. Shit. He offered his flask to Hawkfeather. Whiskey? It's not very strong, but the guy who brews it is you and you after them, said Hawkfeather, gesturing to two of his coyotes. I'll stay here with the shaman. If you don't find him, we can ransom the shaman for the boy. My dear coyote, you must stop digging yourself deeper, said Rumor. Ransom the shaman. Are you even listening to yourself? Hawkfeather looked stricken. He ran, he said. He's no longer under your protection. It's open season on him and your friend. Those are the rules, right? If you're asking me to justify your hunt, I simply can't. It's good that you know the rules and are prepared to act like a civilized guest, but you are not seeking an approved outcome. 
He rejected your protection, insisted Hawkfeather. Rumor nodded. He did. Which means that, yes, you have my nominal permission to carry out your sentence and collect whatever bounty you seek. But it's not over until shots are fired. And don't expect me to be happy with the result. Tyrant was a quarter mile away before anyone caught up with him, and it was a hard tackle, a blow around his middle that knocked the wind from him. He struggled in the arms of his pursuer, swinging himself back and forth as a voice spoke his name over and over. His captor swung him entirely off the ground, getting him off balance. They tumbled, flipped over a slope, and landed with a splash in two feet of filthy water. The rain roared down all around them as Tarrant's attacker shoved him against the slope, putting his full weight on his chest and clamping a paw over his mouth. When Tarrant blinked away the rain, he was surprised to see that it was Paul. His face curled into a snarl. "'Quiet,' he hissed. "'You must be quiet.' Tarrant nodded, terrified. Paul raised his head above ground level and peered around, ears swivelling, sniffing, twitching, seeking any sign of their pursuers. Rain beat down on him, making him look like some ragged avenger or water demon. After a moment, he seemed satisfied and lowered himself onto Tarrant, putting his full weight onto the thief. "'You young fool!' he growled. "'You were defended. Those coyotes would never have harmed someone under the protection of a shaman.' Tarrant spoke with a breathy exhaustion. "'They were going to kill him,' he whimpered. "'They were going to kill him, and then me and you.' "'They were flexing, showing muscle, that's all. "'Now they're hunting us and holding him. "'Let me go. "'They'll leave you alone if you let me go. "'They'll kill you for stealing and kill me for harboring you.' "'He lifted his head, ears twitching. "'Water rinsed the grime and dirt from his face.' He seemed satisfied that they were concealed and leaned on Tarrant again. I can't drag you back to the fire. Rumor's protection is entirely consensual. I cannot drag an unwilling survivor kicking and screaming into it. You must be seen to walk back into the firelight alone, and you must do it without being captured by the two boobs that are hunting us. Are you sure about that? wept Tarrant. Do you have that much faith in Rumor's braid? I have that much faith in rumor, insisted Paul. Remember, he is a prophet. The coyotes may have the firepower, but the odds are in his favor. You can take your chances with the night and the storm, but they'll still be chasing you. Or you can let rumor deal with this, the way he's dealt with it a hundred times before. Tyrant let out a sob. I never meant for any of this to happen, he cried, and Paul shifted his weight and lay next to him, gathering him in his arms and holding him tight. It's all right, he whispered. I know you're scared. It's all right. But I need your courage now. We have to go help Rumor, and I need you to be brave. Tarrant looked into Paul's eyes and found no anger there, nor even a momentary frustration. Suddenly he leaned forward and kissed Paul on the lips. The water soaking them tasted metallic and polluted, but they kissed anyway. Paul felt good and hard in his arms, a slab of muscle that contradicted his age. No wonder the ferret had caught him. All right, enough of that, said Paul. Press any farther, you'll need my husband's permission, and he's not here to ask right now. Those two idiots bumbled off in the wrong direction. The crap in this puddle must be screwing up their muscles. You've got a slim chance. You must take it. I'll distract the hunters. Tyrant nodded, sniffed, and sloshed out of the puddle.
He jogged reluctantly back toward the firelight until the rain swallowed him up. Paul wiped his mouth and got to his feet. What a complex package of regrets and anxieties Tarrant was. Paul found himself a bit smitten, despite the enormous age difference. He was glad the thief was coming home with them. Assuming, of course, they all survived. Tarrant returned to the firelight first. He was an absolute mess. He'd even lost his clout somewhere, and the rain had done little to bathe his filth-soaked coat. Hawkfeather started as he appeared around the concrete barrier and stepped into the firelight, but Rumor didn't even glance up. "'I'm here,' he said. "'Needed a bathroom break?' said Rumor, tending to the fire. "'Happens to the best of us. Next time, though, I should come along to supervise.' He glanced at Hawkfeather. "'To ensure he's protected, of course, not to, you know.' I'm sure that Tarrant is perfectly capable of enough of these stupid shaman's games, snapped Hawkfeather. Where's the other one? Paul? Out getting rained on, I expect. Always rushing off that man, Lord knows why. Have a seat, Tarrant. You look pretty much exhausted. That's it. Hawkfeather aimed his gun directly at Rumor's head. You tell me where your friend is right now, or I'll blow your braid off. Rumor's face was written in lines of contempt. Not harboring this poor thief, if that's what you're thinking. Why don't you quit trying to flex, and we can all just talk this out? You know, like civilized beasts instead of grubby barbarians. You know what happens if you shoot a shaman. Things do not get better for you. Relax, everyone. I'm right here, said Paul, returning to the shelter. He had a cut on his forehead and his lip, and there was fresh blood on his face and neck. My dear, what happened to you? said Rumor, jumping to his feet. Let me look at you. He prodded Paul's forehead, making him wince. Oh my, look at this. How did you get yourself into such a state? Fell into a hole, said Paul. I'm fine, it's just a scratch. He glanced at Hawkfeather. Couple of your warriors fell into the hole too. I tried to warn them, but you know, it's dark and raining. Will they be all right? said Rumor. In a few minutes... They're just having some rest, and then I expect they'll be right along behind us. Hawkfeather might not have fully understood the shaman's protection, but he acknowledged Muscle. All right, he said. All right, you win. Let's talk. Silently, Rumor gestured for the four remaining coyotes to take seats around the fire. The three weasels sat on the opposite side, Tarrant between them. Now that we're not all chasing our tails, said Rumor, What exactly did this poor ermine steal? Food from the chieftain's storehouse, said Hawkfeather. What food? A melon. Tarrant looked ready to shrink into the ground. Paul's eyes narrowed, and rumor burst into laughter. One melon? he cried. You've been chasing this boy through the mountains and ruins for days over one lousy melon? The chieftain might have overlooked the crime, but we're at war insisted Hawkfeather. There's also the matter of escaping our custody and fleeing without facing justice. Hell, I'll pay for the damn melon if it'll settle this, said Rumor. Name your price, I'll double it. Small fee for this poor man's life. We can't just let every thief who trespasses pay for what they stole. If we did that, we'd be beset by thieves buying out our stores to acquit themselves. We need the food more than we need the money right now. All right, all right. Rules are rules, of course. I can hardly expect you to abide by the shaman's braid if I don't abide by the laws of the Kankamagas. But honestly, 
It's one melon for a starving ermine. Surely that's not worth his life. Is there no lesser penalty, no labour for him to perform? The rules are set by our chief, said Hawkfeather. There is no acquittal during a time of war. Starting to get the picture, said Rumor. He steepled his fingers. You see the injustice of your position? Our duty is sentencing. Justice is a matter for the chief. Not what I asked, Rumor mused for a moment. Well, I'm not withdrawing my protections over a stupid melon. Sorry, but I'm going to have to dig my heels in on that. And if we were to carry out the sentence anyway? Oh, that really wouldn't go well for you, said Rumor. Firing on the braid during a time of war? No shaman would ever work with your people again. Any of your people. The Kankamagas would be left fighting a war on two fronts with no help from any prophet, counselor, spiritual advisor, or advocate. You'd lose face before other tribes who don't really want to trade with you. And, of course, your adversaries would have the full advantage of my people helping them. And not just in Winnipesaukee, either. All shamans. Everywhere. Over a melon, added Paul. I appreciate your position but it can't be a particularly taxing war if your tribe can spare six of its strongest warriors to chase a starving ermine 80 miles over a melon. Your chief is using war as a pretense. Your crops are rich, your storehouses full. You've not fought a battle with your rivals in a year. Your families sleep safe in their villages and towns. I wish all wars were as peaceful as yours. Heard a shaman, and the stalemate is over, said Paul and the outcome would not be in your favor. The two missing coyotes chose that moment to shuffle into the firelight. They looked relatively unharmed, but their expressions belied their headaches, and they were lathered with pollution and runoff. They did not look at any of the weasels. The leader looked up at them. Rumor recognized the calculations grinding away in Hawkfeather's mind. He'd seen it before. Poor odds revealed as a level playing field— and the aggressor counting the costs of potential failure. Hawkfeather's men might have taken all three of them down, but lost a few of their own in the process, and cost their tribe dearly. The coyote rumbled a cheated growl of frustration. For a moment, it seemed he might shoot the three weasels on general principles. Finally, he scowled. I will return to my people and ask my chieftain to reconsider. His voice was a growl. You win, all right? You win. My dear, thanks to your wisdom, we all win, said Rumor. Mercy is what sets us apart, even in the worst storms. He spread his paws. Do sit by the firelight a while longer. We've no food left, but we have good stories to tell and plenty of warmth. Hawkfeather got warily to his feet. No, we must return to the Kankamagas as soon as possible. He shook his head. His beads rattled. You know, my mother told me never to get on the wrong side of a shaman. I always thought it was because you'd turn me into a frog or something. He managed a weak half-grin. Now I think I'd rather be the frog. He left. His coyote shuffled after him. Well, that's that, said Rumor. My goodness, it's gotten late. I fancy a nap. I'll stay up in case they try something, said Paul. Tarrant sat between them, his face slack with shock. It's over? I'm free? 
Free indeed, said Rumor. Of course they'll complain, both to my temple and to our tribe. They always do. Tarrant sagged. A moment later, he had both arms around Rumor and was sobbing his heart out. Rumor held him tight and rocked him like a child, waiting for all the weight of the last few weeks to fall from his shoulders. It's okay now, murmured Rumor. You can come home with us. We need your help. So tired. I know. You can rest now, I promise. Taron sniffed. Rest. Afraid you're going to have to pile in with us, said Paul. Rumor and I share a bedroll to save on weight. It'll be snug, but there's room for three. Oh, liking the sound of that, said Rumor. When was the last time we had three people in that bedroll? June, during the music festival? August, that buff young trader with the pickup truck. Right, how easily one forgets. What do you think, Tarrant? Three bugs in a rug? Tarrant nodded. Sounds nice, he mumbled. Come on, then. Rumor held the bedroll open. He's going to stay up until his paranoia goes away, he said, nodding at Paul. We'll be fine. You sure about that? said Paul. Hey, who's the prophet around here? said Rumor, sliding into the bedroll next to Tarrant. Not what I asked. Rumor shrugged. Ninety percent sure. Ninety-five. Ninety-eight, conceded Rumor. Tarrant held him tightly and slept like a free man. Paul stayed up like a sentinel until the fire burned low and the storm was over. There was a faint light to the east when he finally crawled into the bedroll with them and dozed off, satisfied. This was the second and final part of Weasels of the Apocalypse by Ben Goodrich, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.doc or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a short story you think would be a good fit for the show, please get in touch with us. We're on Twitter at Voice of Dog Pod, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Dog.